you have until the count of five. I happen to love the number five. It's a beautiful number, a glorious number. You got to the count of five. Three, two. Welcome. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I thought we didn't need to count in anymore. I thought we've been doing this long enough that we're all pros and like we could just go off the cuff. You counted in like you make us sound amateur. Welcome to Snot Till Five. <laughs> 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 Which is what we're calling ourselves this week, because I'm bunged up and got lots of um, snot and various mucuses in my face. Um, but I'm plowing on because I'm a little hero. Um, this is actually called Got Till Five. I'm Jesse Benz. What's your name? My name is Max Curtin. Thank you for joining us once again this week. And I have got a phlegmy throat. So between us, we are Snot Till Five this week. And we haven't even infected each other because we're on like other parts of the country to each other. and We haven't seen each other. So this is just like, if ever our bond of love could get stronger, this is it. Like, this is amazing that we've basically caught illness at the same time and not been any proximity to each other. We both made out the same dude this weekend. We must have done. He gets around. Uh, well, we were, both, we were both in the company of Chris Brooks. Maybe it was him. <laughs> that dirty slut. <laughs> so, um, this week's top five. Hello, listeners. Good to see you again. Um, thank you. For you can't see that. anyone. Um, I see sound. That's I can many... see you actually because I'm doing this through an iPad. And I've got your little Skype face. I got really scared then that the camera was on because I've been, <laughs> I've been Hello, doing all because I'm nude, <laughs> dangling about. Um, <laughs> thank you for tuning in this week and checking out last week's episode. You liked it apparently, so that's good. Um, I don't remember what we did, but they liked it. Um, this week is what are we doing? Oh yeah. Top five wrestling stables or factions. That would you do? You say stables or factions, Jesse? Uh, I've traditionally said stables, but the only reason I say stables is because that's what they're always called in the video games, mm. and that was like that was like the first time I'd properly seen that word. But I used it based on that, and um, I do like the word. I think the word faction sounds cooler. But because I played so many of the video games when I was a kid and was making my own little factions. Um, as they were called stables i that word's just in my head now okay i I think we can go for either also so we'll mix that throughout but also this week we have a very special interview which was done this weekend by myself with the one and only chris wolf which we'll have coming up in the next coming up in the next couple of minutes that was in the next couple of minutes next couple of minutes right I've, I've heard it. He sent me it on email um, yesterday. I listened and it was good. I've never met Chris Wolf, but she sounds lovely. Probably one of the nicest people I've ever met. You know, when you ever? Just meet, in the world? Yeah. You know when you just meet a genuinely... What about my mother? She's got shit all on Chris Wolf. Chris Wolf is nicer than my mother. Yeah, that's what I said. Fair, fair enough. I'm with you. Yeah. Um, so, absolutely lovely person. You know when you just meet someone and you're like, you're just a good person. Aw, that's weird, nice. right? She's great. I've never seen her wrestle live, but I've seen um, videos, and um, she is very, very good at that as well. So that's nice when people who are really good at Summit, like wrestling, which we all love, exactly. um, are all so lovely. Like, that's the best. Exactly. So we've got that coming up to look forward to in the next couple of minutes. But Jesse, how are you? Uh, besides I'm all the right. cold. Besides the cold, I'm bunged up and um, vaguely miserable. <laughs> But other than that, I'm hunky-dory. Um, if I sound... I think this is annoying me, right? Because I've got a new mic this week. If anyone can tell, I actually sound acceptable. Whereas before, I was doing it all literally on my phone. So I sounded like everything was just flat. 
But now I've got a new mic and all nice, but my voice is all bunged up and nasally, more nasally than normal, because of this stupid cold. So I'm livid. So you're going to sound like you're on a phone, anyway. Uh, yeah, you suddenly got really loud. I did, didn't I? Yeah, did you just come real close to the mic because you <laughs> wanted to be closer to me? Jesse. Yeah, so so um yeah i'll make you sound pretty you'll be fine don't worry about it yeah you better um you bitch <laughs> how are you i'm good i'm good um we we both had a, a wrestle-tastic weekend you were attacked this weekend correct i was in cheltenham at the frog and fiddle um and it was very good um first obviously eddie dennis is a heel he was fucking brilliant um he's amazing he's just he's awesome i love eddie dennis um uh, what's his face we just mentioned it. Chris Brooks was really really good and didn't know he was face now that was interesting turn of development um, so you were just uh, Flash Boo Chris yeah boo. exactly and everyone's looking at me like what are you doing <laughs> uh, Flash Morgan Webster is obviously amazing and um, Travis Banks they had a sexy dance off which I enjoyed more than I should and had to walk home slightly hunched Ooh, to hide they, my erection did they wear the little string vests um, uh, Travis Banks did yes Flash Morgan Webster did not it's alright, it's fine. But welcome to the UK wrestling scene, everyone. You can watch future WE UK competitors in a tiny barn in Cheltenham. Doesn't get much it better was, than that. It was amazing. Oh, and um, Phantasmo versus Splits. Um, they did half of their match in slow motion, which was amazing. <laughs> How good is Phantasmo? He's amazing. He's really good. Might have to get him. I, I have a higher level of research. So the barn where um, Attack play in Cheltenham, um, for anyone who hasn't been there, is about... 10 foot high well it's higher but it's got quite low hanging beams and i've got a new level of respect for anyone who can do a flip off the top rope and not like Damn. kill themselves on one of those beams yeah because that takes more precision than normal you don't have to worry about what's above you normally when you're wrestling but you certainly do there yes definitely definitely good old attack and i was at uh, kamikaze pro which we speak about in a minute in the podcast, in the interview, sorry, this is the podcast. Um, I did some training with Dave Mastiff. Who nice, was, he's a big fella. He's a very big fella, and he likes to swear a lot. So all, all I took away. Ah. New swear he looks words. like He looks like if you um, covered, um, covered a bowling ball with glue and dropped it down your plug hole. <laughs> I'm not going to tell him that. <laughs> that's, that's my um, that's the first thing i thought when i saw him but in a, in a nice way. oh yeah of course of course training yeah. <laughs> training with him was really good because he um he very much focuses on the little things the thing he told me we we were <laughs> not himself <then>. nice <laughs> just gonna mute you for a bit <laughs> but basically when we were training we were just doing a very simple sequence and he said just make sure that you make every little bit believable so that the guy who's bringing his kids to the show who doesn't like wrestling, who thinks it's all fake and shit, make him believe it, and then you can do all your flippy nonsense later. Or as he calls nice. it, the nonsense in wrestling. He's got no time for flippy nonsense. shit, yeah. No, I don't blame him. Neither do I, really. I mean, occasionally people do a flip and it takes my breath away a little bit. But generally speaking, I'd, I'd much rather just see big oily men hit each other. You two would get on, definitely. Um, yeah. Him and Joseph Connors had a great match together. So nice. Wanted to touch his little half ear, but I resisted. I know, it's um, quite alluring, isn't it? It really is. But uh, yeah, fantastic show. It, it looks was... like a little um, looks like a little skateboard ramp. <laughs> get my fingers flicks out and just get off of it. But it was uh, Relentless Rules, so every match had a stipulation to it. 
and I'd never seen a body slam challenge match in person. Kenny Kilbane and Marshall X did a body slam challenge. Fun match. Very good. Fun match. So, uh, yeah, um, I'll be doing... We got two interviews, so we got Chris Wolf coming up next. And on the next episode, we've got Chris Ridgway coming up. Ridgway. Ridgway. Um, and then, yeah, there'll be another thing at the end of the month, and I'll try and get more interviews. So, rocking it, baby. But Rocking it. It's quite a long interview. So, should we get, uh, get cracking on that? Yeah, let's do it. Here's Max doing a lovely little job interviewing the incredible Chris Wolf. Oh! oh! Welcome to the Got to a Fire podcast. It's me, Max Curtin, again doing an interview, and this time I'm joined by the wonderful Chris Wolf. Oh! What up, Max? I'm so happy you did it. <laughs> yeah. So happy. <laughs> How are things? Things are doing well. My bits are happy. Um, just finished up with Kamikaze Pro, and I'm alive. Yes, that was a lot of fun. So it was a Fool's Count Anywhere match yesterday, and you took that literally. Yes. I mean, well, you know, it was my first time. I'm getting acquainted with the rules of the land. <laughs> These are new things and experiences, so I thought might as well explore a little bit of the city. Well, I like that we had a conversation before we got to the venue about, yeah, I've never explored Birmingham. And yeah. then you took a, who were you wrestling? It was Chardonnay, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah, wrestled Chardonnay, and you took her and uh, threw her into the Cadbury sign, so well done. Well, you know, I was trying to give her a hint. Feed me! <laughs> Feeling a little chocolatey. Yes, definitely. What was with the jousting picture I saw? Did you guys have a joust as well? <laughs> well, actually, so for my YouTube channel, I'm trying to do like a, a weekly thing, like Wolf Wednesdays. And I was thinking that it might be kind of nice because I'm all about, like, learning shit. I really like learning things. Uh, But it might be nice to learn something from the wrestler that I face, you know. Uh, People have said, like, hey, why don't you interview them? And I'm like, there are far more qualified people who can do that. How about they teach me something? So Chardonnay actually knows how to fence. So I was like, teach me to fence. And she's like, I don't have rapiers. And I'm like, we have bull sticks. (laughs) So that was that. Was that. <laughs> and how did your first lesson fencing with pool sticks go? It, it, it felt awkward, but it was fun. Yeah. Um, the cool breeze on my skin was refreshing after, you know, being drowned in beer. Um, oh, yeah, you, you guys got covered, didn't you? Yeah, yeah. Michael had to take a bath. Michael is my wolf head, by the way. But yeah. Yes, just, just for context. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> just so y'all who are listening can uh, know what I'm ranting about. But yeah, yeah, it was. Uh, I was trying to count how many beers you threw at her, and I lost count like four. So I know, but I realized that her tolerance is probably higher than mine because she's a larger, like an, a larger animal. So you know, I kind of lost on that one. I I just saw because you post um, when you're doing like your tour dates and stuff, mm-hmm. and you kind of tick them off. Yeah. And then I saw you did the drawings of like her and her outfit, and then there's a bit of ham. Yes. That's really, I really liked it. Is that something that you do or? Oh, so the drawings that you see for my, like, I, I, I get those every match that I do. Uh, and just like a little story of my, my tour adventures. And that's done by my friend Nahuel. Um, he's an Argentinian artist. Yeah, I, I, sometimes I forget. But he's an Argentinian artist and uh, he does stuff for me, Jazzy, and he does all sorts of, like, wrestler stuff. So. Oh, nice. Shout well, he's out very to talented. Him. It was awesome. Yeah. <laughs> I liked it. Um, so let's go back to the beginning then. I think everyone kind of knows how you kind of got into wrestling, but if you just want to do 
maybe a quick recap of why you got into wrestling, what kind of attracted you to it? Um, quick version, left America, wondering about life, got a job as a teacher, started wondering about life, existential crisis, found out about pro wrestling. I was like, what the fuck is that? Found it on YouTube. And I was like, wow, let me try this shit. And now I'm a wrestler still having existential crises. Pisces? Oh, yeah, they, they never day. go away. They never go away. Don't tell me that. I'm searching. <laughs> <laughs> searching for a reason. <laughs> oh, dear. Yeah, because I'm always... Because How long have you been wrestling now? Four years? Uh, it'll be four years in August, yeah. And that surprises me because, not just blowing smoke, you are really good, like, stupidly good at it. Mm, I don't know. Yeah, I feel that's like... Cool. I feel like I could be better. <laughs> <laughs> well, of course, it's always a learning curve and things like that, but... Uh, Within the space of four years, um, who did you end up training with? Uh, initially with Fuka Kakimoto, who is the GM for Stardom. And then afterwards, after debuting as a wrestler, I moved up into the regular uh, senshu, senshu, uh, I guess, wrestlers group. And that was trained, that the training was directed by Nanae Takahashi. And then after she left Stardom, it was done by Io. That's awesome. How did you. Um get into stardom did you hear that yes that's thunder that is quite a bit of thunder <laughs> wow uh, <laughs> keep getting flashes of lightning i'm hiding under the desk oh man it's like um, the complete opposite from here tell me that <laughs> so yeah you you were teaching and then you went wrestling's cool let's do wrestling which all of us do did, did you know about it previously or did you ever watched it when you were younger or um i had brief like i i saw it briefly here and there you know there was a flash of hulk hogan and rick flair on tv that i saw once um i had classmates that were really into the four horsemen uh and then you know the rock but uh i never uh, watching tv wasn't really something that was uh not not necessarily allowed but it was pretty strict so i actually grew up watching a lot of musicals and like uh the ten commandments and stuff (laughs) it was intense (laughs) Nothing wrong with watching musicals, though. Yeah. Was they like Disney musicals or like? Oh, I mean Disney musicals, ugh. Disney musicals as well. But like, um, My Fair Lady, the old Phantom of the Opera. I guess that was kind of not a musical. I just basically a lot of old movies. Sound of Music. That was another one. Yeah. Mm, a lot of Fred, Fred Astaire and Ginger Rogers, which is kind of like dancing and old music stuff. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, that's cool did that ever give you kind of a how come it was always musicals and stuff was it just that was just what was on or available to you um more of like that's what was available to me like my my mom was more about um <laughs> a, i guess pg or like safe things to watch and like musicals and classical movies no problem even though if you look at a movie like Ben-Hur, that's pretty intense. It deals with leprosy and, you know, attacking <laughs> she just people. just in front of the TV, walks away, she'll be fine. <laughs> where, do you get, where do you get this lust for meat? Ben-Hur! <laughs> nah, I mean, it was also one of the things, too, where, like, um, she really liked musicals herself. And part of her teaching me to read and write and listen and sing was from listening to musicals on CD writing down the lyrics and then learning them. So she, and she would also check my spelling and my capitalizations and stuff. Um, 
And then I would sing it back to her. And that was also, you know, just part of stuff that she liked to make me do. <laughs> Singing as well. Yeah. Any secret talent you're hiding. Uh, I mean... <laughs> I won't make you sing. That 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 would be mean. That would be mean to me. Nah, I mean I I don't I don't care. I I sing all the time. It's just um like booty 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 rocking everywhere. You know. <laughs> I, don't, I don't remember that in a Fred Astaire musical. Oh it, well, you clearly classic was it? Are missing out. <laughs> <laughs> uh, sorry, that was a bit of a diversion there. Back to wrestling. Yes. Four so four years training, and then you were like, and this was when you were in Japan, right? You were teaching in Japan. Yeah. Cool. So teaching in Japan, still want to teach or that kind of, did you kind of fall out of love with that a little bit? I mean, there are things that I enjoy about it. And like uh, for a while I was still taking students and then I was working for schools again. Um, I just enjoy helping people communicate ideas. And if it's through language, like through the English language, that's even better. But um, I think my favorite part of it was just making the shy kids not shy. Oh yeah, that's a good plan. Mm So, so how long was teaching for? How long did you do it for? Um, I did teaching full-time for about two years. And then uh, I started doing this YouTube English teaching thing. It wasn't really teaching. It was basically making YouTube videos and having Japanese subtitles and then explaining what, like, phrases meant. So while I was doing that, I was doing uh, stardom. And um, that was my job. <laughs> Were you already fluent in Japanese before moving there, or did did you learn as you kind of went along? Oh, I'm not really fluent, but uh, I learned when I was there. So, like, my first month, my friend equipped me with uh, two phrases because I decided that I wanted to cycle from Niigata to Hiroshima. And that's like, I don't know, uh, that was a 20-day bike ride. But um, he taught me how to say, where is the blah, 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 and I'm biking from Niigata to Hiroshima, and from that and being forced to ask people by myself, you know, because I was cycling by myself, I had to kind of pick up on context clues when talking to people. If they're, like, using their gestures with their hands, they're like, nigi, nigi. I'm like, okay, that means right. Hidari, hidari. Oh, okay, that's left. And then it, it was very much like learning like a child. Yeah, yeah, just pick. So so I know Yumi spoke about the... the the bike ride yesterday mm. um when you did it yeah how how long had you been living there when you decided to do that um so the bike ride was actually when i was just on vacation uh, so i came to japan for vacation and then decided that yeah, i'm just gonna stay let me find a job um but uh so the bike ride from Niigata to hiroshima was about 20 days you know riding through the mountains and crap um but i would try to cycle whenever I could. So if I had vacation, usually in the summer when teaching, I would take trips from, where was it, Kyoto to Nagasaki. And then finally, when I moved to Tokyo, I just got rid of all of my shit. And a friend of mine helped me bike because I had two bikes. And we biked from Saga, which is on the largest southernmost island of Japan. And we biked all the way up to Tokyo. (laughs) <laughs> and I think we did that one in 17 days, but mostly at night because it was too hot in the summer day. That's crazy. I was going to say, I hope you did do it in summer, otherwise yeah. it just be <laughs> but, torture. Japanese summers are humid. Yeah, yeah, that's crazy. Did you have to just camp, you know, as you were going? or? Yeah, I mean, we actually didn't sleep that much because it wasn't very 
there's no time or place to really be comfortable. Um, we did have a tent, and so sometimes during the, the really peak hot hours during the day, we try to find, like, a bridge and stay underneath or, like, by a river or something. Um, and if we could, we would go to uh, a net cafe, which is um, just, like, it's weird. They have these cubicle rooms where you can lie down, charge your stuff, order food, and sleep. Um, but, you know, that would never work in the, in New York. I don't know if it would work in London because people no, talk. It was so silent. <laughs> it was beautiful. Is, is Japan social as well? Uh, no, I'd say Japan's probably more like uh, people in England. But I'd also say that while people do keep to themselves, they are probably more outgoing and friendly. <clears throat> but then again, when Japanese people see that you're a foreigner and you need help, they will go out of their way to help you. So it, it's like case by case. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I guess that's true. So after the bike ride was done... Mm. Um, then was the start of um, getting into wrestling? Um, after moving to Tokyo, I was I, I taught there for about like six months, and then I and then I moved over to that YouTube job, and then I found wrestling exactly a week later. I mean, I started with stardom a week later. Oh wow! Yeah, that was quick. Yeah, I mean. I don't know. I've I've just been lucky to have people that support me along the way, you know, root for me or give me a couch to crash on or. Yeah. Yeah. I was <laughs> going to say like, so you saw or you went, well, that's fun. Let's go and do that for, for a while. Yeah. Like, who did you reach out to and like talk about training or, or was it pretty much just get in there and see what happens? Well, um, initially what I did was I Googled the group, found their Japanese website, went to Google translate, wrote, a shitty Japanese message because I, you know, couldn't, I could speak it, but not so well. Um, and I attached a little video intro so they could kind of see what I'm like. And I just asked them, how does one become a pro wrestler? They, they messaged me back and were like, well, why don't you come see a show first before you decide you want to be a wrestler? And I went and it blew my mind. So uh, I was, I was in it. So they invited me to go to training and they said, if and when I'm ready, they'll offer me a test. And if I can pass it, I can become a wrestler. Very cool. Yeah. Um, I'm presuming you passed that test then? I did. <laughs> <laughs> what did the test involve then? Um, well, basically our training sessions are about three hours long. And the test was basically the same amount of time. There's lots of cardio. There's a bunch of push-ups, I remember. Lots of sit-ups and uh, different types of push-ups and squats. Uh, there's They check you for endurance and um, strength. Then you do a couple of drills, rope work. Uh, then you wrestle a couple of your, your senpais, your, your seniors. Um, you do a bit of chain wrestling first and then... Wait, no, no. You do sparring first and then you do chain wrestling, I think. I can't remember. Well, you do both of those. And um, usually people are taking the test together. So there's like a break in between some of these activities. But I was doing it by myself. So it was like one after the other. Bam, 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 bam. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. Must have been exhausting. Yeah. Uh, nice. So how quickly did you um, come up with the whole Chris Wolf idea? Uh, was that instant or? Well, it was... Um, 
kind of instant, I guess. It was during my test, and I, like, the last person that I faced, I pinned them, and I let out this, like, celebratory howl. And everyone was just like, what the fuck? When the promoter, uh, the last part of the test is actually giving a speech about why you want to be a pro wrestler. And so I gave it. I gave my speech. They, they all voted on it. They approved me. And then the promoter asked me, like, what do you want your ring name to be? And I was like, mm, Chris Wolf. You know, it just, it felt right. It was kind of also just like off the top of my head, but it works. Yeah, it's, it's still around, so it's doing well. Yeah. <laughs> and then I guess that just grows from there, like with Michael being introduced and, and everything that you've been doing with that. Yeah. Uh, the crowd just seemed to connect with it. So, yeah, it's definitely been working. Michael's a popular fellow. Michael's a popular fellow, definitely, <laughs> definitely. Um, so, yeah, um, so then you start out with Stardom. How long were you there for? Uh, my entire career, so about three and a half years. Yeah. Yeah. It's only recently that you've left Japan, isn't it? Yeah. 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 I left Japan at the end of April. Yeah. Wow. So yeah, very, very recent. Mm. Um, any plan? I know we spoke about this yesterday. But any plans to go back in the future? Like, even if it was just for dates and then coming back here? I mean, or is it kind of like take a little break for now? Uh, well, maybe next year or something. That might be might be cool. I mean, I've, I've spent six years of my life in Japan. Um, and I loved it. There was a reason why I stayed, but there is something new and just wonderfully exciting about being here in this part of this world. I feel foreign, which is weird because I, I am a Westerner, but I feel awkward as fuck. <laughs> so I, I feel like I'm relearning things and there's a lot of things that are different here in the wrestling world that I don't know. And I'm, you know, I'm really into trying to understand what it means to be a part of it here. Well, that's something I was going, I was wondering about. So obviously it was Japanese wrestling that got you into it, mm. stardom. The whole four years has been pretty much the whole wrestling identity. But did you ever then start going, okay, so I like this aspect. It's big on in the West. Mm. Have you watched any like American or British while you're doing it? Or you've purely focused on Japanese wrestling? Well, it wasn't until the last couple of months that I was there that I was starting to look at um, more foreign stuff because I was, you know, I'd always interacted with, um, there's like a a stardom group on Facebook that I, I'm like kind of a part of or like, you know, they've always been really supportive of me. And so um, it, around then I started interacting with the fans more and then on Twitter and stuff. And then people started recommending more wrestling from Mexico or from Britain and for, or from America. And there's like all this other history that I haven't encountered yet. And I had still been trying to like digest all of the Japanese stuff that I was seeing. You know, if I meet someone, then I'll look up their stuff. That was probably how I did most of my learning. Um, or if they recommend something, then I can look it up. Cause I, it's like I have a blank page and I don't really know where to go for it unless I just type in wrestling. Well, yeah, but world of sport is pretty cool. <laughs> world of sport is cool, yeah. yeah. That's, um, I, I suppose it's it's weird, like, because I've always watched wrestling mm. um, my whole life and stuff. I've kind of just ingested it. Obviously, starting earliest influences were WF and that kind of stuff. Yeah. 
And as I got older, I got more into Mexican. And then the past couple of years, I've been really into to Japanese wrestling as well. Nice. So yeah. I guess it's kind of a case for you. It's just, yeah, whatever comes along, then, yeah. then that's what you you take in. But that's, that's awesome. So now that you've kind of got this new... Actually, quickly, before I move on from Japan, mm-hmm. um, my co-host, Jesse, he wanted to know... So, because you've done a lot of work training there, obviously, he wants to know how you see women represented in Japan. Mm -hmm. Um, Because obviously, at the moment, there's this whole massive women's revolution in wrestling going on. Mm -hmm. And um, he's wondering if you'd like to see that happen with the Japanese companies such as New Japan, Mm -hmm. things of that nature. I mean, like, it's it's difficult to say because uh, there are so many companies that are dedicated just to women's wrestling you know it uh, women's wrestling has always been separate from men's so they've developed on their own and they're their own sports team um new japan is the biggest and the most popular but like although it's it's not necessarily considered um something that i i don't think the japanese think that new japan has to have a women's division because they already have their own Joshi groups, you know. I mean, it's they're there. It's it's hard to explain. Is it kind of a, a culture thing, like how it works? Is it just it's just seen as separate, different promotions? Yeah, I, I guess so. It's it's legitimately its own sport. We're still featured in sports pages. Um, you know, the way they have uh, men's basketball teams, women's basketball teams. That's basically how it is in Japan. Yeah, yeah, because. Stardom's incredible. Yeah. You know, the work that they put on and the match quality is just out of this world. And it seems like the past couple of years, the amount of talent that's gone through there, mm-hmm. is there like, who did you enjoy working with in Stardom the most? I mean, I I honestly had so much fun meeting the foreigners when they came through. You know, they, they brought something fresh and different because I had never seen anything from the Western world. Um but um, within the roster, you know, obviously you have your favorites like Io and Mayu, and I love them. They're amazing no matter what. But, like, there was always something that moved me about working with Kaede or, um, or ACT. You know, it, maybe it was their charisma or, like, how they put so much emotion into the story that it really uh, it, it made it special. I don't know. I always had a lot of fun. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Was there anyone there that you wanted to work with before you left that you didn't get a chance to? Mm. I mean, I've, because Stardom is technically so small, everyone gets a chance to work with each other in some capacity or another. So I, I, I had worked with everyone within that group. I am curious about the members outside uh, of the Stardom circle because there are more Joshi groups that are out there. There's like a zombie girl in DDT. There's, um, you know, you have people like Meiko Satsumura, um, Dash Chisako. It's it's a pretty big world in Joshi wrestling. Um, yeah. Well, Mika would be incredible. Yeah. <laughs> I would lose my head. <laughs> yeah, definitely. We did a um, top five uh, women's wrestlers and she was my number one. Yeah. But but now you left, as as you said yesterday, mm. nomad lifestyle. Yeah. What's on tap for now? <laughs> um which is awesome. I love I love that term for, for how you do it. Um 
So you got some traveling coming up. You mentioned Europe and America and stuff. Mm-hmm. Have you got any kind of wrestling plan or is it just whoever wants to, to book me, I'll go? Or do you want to kind of angle yourself to get somewhere? I mean, I I know I'm not done exploring the UK and Europe yet. So I'd like to come back. Um, I have you know, only such a small taste of what it's like to wrestle in America. And I want to see what that's like, you know, give it more time than just a week or two. So I'm going to spend three months there. Um, I am curious about what it's like in Canada, Mexico, Australia. I don't know what I'm doing. (laughs) (laughs) That's a good thing. Don't have a plan. But that's like the story of my life. (laughs) Well, it's kind of worked out for you, hasn't it, Chris? So it's kind of, (laughs) I think, stick with the plan that you've been doing. Just keep moving. Yeah, because it's been able to able to see the world and all that kind of stuff isn't it so, so true yeah you can see more of europe and then america and canada and things of that nature so yeah. there's uh i'm sure there'll be plenty of places to go to i'm very grateful for that i think yes, if i definitely. i didn't have this and i still had my existential crisis i don't know what i'd be doing hopefully something no. shiny <laughs> definitely shiny um so Obviously, because we're a top five, mm. the question that um, everyone hates us asking yeah. on the spot is top five favorite wrestlers. Now, you could do all time, mm-hmm. which I imagine will be influences that have helped you, or you can do current, mm-hmm. up to you. Okay. All right. Number one, Jesus. Number two, your mom. <laughs> Number three... Meiko Satomura. <laughs> <laughs> Number four, Aja Kong. This is this is where it gets like towards the end of my life. <laughs> and number five, Bull Nakano. Yeah, I think that's a pretty good list. That's a great list. <laughs> Jesus and your mama, one and two. <laughs> yeah, because I feel like Jesus would just hug me, and then I could do like a quick pin, and then moms would also just hug me, and then another quick pin. And then after that, it's just like brutality. (laughs) (laughs) So what you're saying is you can beat Jesus and your mum, but you can't can't be born Akana. I think that's fair. Is that too cocky, though? No, no. I think, you know, cheeky schoolboy. No one sees it coming. Yeah, yeah. And it's it's loving, you know. I feel like if you're going to beat anyone, you should beat them with love. (laughs) Wait, (laughs) no, the weird messages. (laughs) Uh. Oh, dear. Um, Where can... So you've got a couple of dates coming up in the UK. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think we'll do this episode, I think, on the 1st of June. Ooh. We do it, like, bi-weekly, so it'll either be the 1st of June or it'll be the middle of June, either way. Okay. But what dates have you got coming up that people can find you at? All right. I have, on June 1st, Fight Club Pro. On the 2nd, OTT. On the 9th, I have Eve. And on the 10th, I have Shevolution. And then in America, I have AWS in L.A., Rise in L.A. on the 29th, and Bar Wrestling on the 30th. And that's my month of June. <laughs> that's a busy June. That's yes. a busy June. And you've got, you, you do the Wolf Wednesdays. They, those go up on YouTube. Where can people find your YouTube? It's <laughs> poorly named, but YouTube.com backslash Chris Wolf in Japan. Nice. Yeah. Now it's Chris Wolf and your mum whenever you get announced. So that's, that's much I better. feel like, yeah, I feel like it fits, doesn't yeah. it? Do you want that p- people typing that into YouTube, though? I don't know. Chris Wolf in your mom? <laughs> I mean, yeah. I don't know if there would be any results, but 
that sounds terrifying and kind of intriguing. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, is there anywhere else that people can kind of find you if they want to get in contact and totally or, or uh, merch and that kind of stuff? Yes. I have Twitter, which I respond to probably the most frequently. So that's at Wolf in Japan. I have a Facebook, which is、uh, Chris Wolf Universe. I have、mm, Instagram at Wolf in Japan. And I also have, well, if you want to support me, I have、uh, two things my buymeacoffee.com page. It's buymeacoffee.com backslash Chris Wolf. And、uh, that basically caffeinates me, slash, it's like giving me tips for making shit or for, I don't know, making you happy, whatever. And I have t shirts for sale on What a Maneuver. Just search for Chris Wolf and you'll find me. And then I have my hats, which you can also purchase. Yeah. Exactly.、Oh, Magical. Yeah. That's- oh, did you have another one? Sorry.、Um, your mom. <laughs> <laughs> How did I know that was coming? Did you? I knew it. I knew it. <laughs> But thank you so much, Chris. Do you have any, anything else you want to get off your chest? Any life advice? Anything at all? Anything at all. Keep going. Even when it feels so painful that it feels like you're giving birth, remember that you're probably giving birth to something. And that's why it hurts so much. But once. Once it crowns, <laughs> everything will be okay and it will take shape and form. And、oh, fuck it, just keep going. <laughs> That was the most beautiful life metaphor <laughs> we've ever had. Thank you. You're welcome. <laughs>、uh, Chris, it's been amazing.、Um, yeah, everyone, if you get a chance to go see Chris Russell, really do because she is fantastic. <laughs> and I'm sure I'll see you again soon. Thanks, Max. Thank you. Bye. Bye. And there was the interview. There it was. Well done, Max. That was lovely, mate. Thank you, Jesse. Well done. I'll, I'll, She's lovely, right? Every, now, all of our listeners now know that Chris Wolf is lovely and they will go and watch her wrestle.、Mm. And she's made loads more fans now because of us. <laughs> so、um, we expect the thank you card in the post, exactly. Chris. Exactly. As she said, at the end of、um, she's got a love date to come up in June. She's going to be all over the place. If you've never even seen a wrestle, go onto YouTube and check it out. But how mad is it that, you know, only been wrestling four years? Yeah, it's crazy. I bet that makes you feel pissed off, doesn't it? <laughs> I just like that. But you're jealous. I like that she suddenly went, Yeah, I want to be a wrestler. And then that、yeah. was it. That's just、I、killed it. how it works. So, yeah. That's just how it works when you've got talent back, something you wouldn't know about. So,、um, yeah, well done, Chris.、Um, Shall we bang into. Bang into? That's not a good turn of phrase. Let's、um, not bang into anything, Jesse. Let's co- career into. Let's Forrest Gump run into this week's top five. We shall, but first I need to do a quick non paid advertisement. We haven't sold out. This is, oh, this thing, yeah. This is, okay, so what we're going to do in the future is pre record ourselves saying this,、um, but we're not doing it this week because we I like sound shit. like shit, all bunged up. Yeah, so we're not recording it. So you. You can do it live and unplugged right now. Maybe. But basically, we just want to、uh, let everybody know who listen to us and own an Android device that if you go to the Google Play Store and download the Podcast Republic app, it's a really good app and it allows you to get all your favorite podcasts directly on your Android devices. I use the app and I really, really like it. I can search for the podcasts I want to listen to, select them as favorites, and have them all just a <laughs> click away. So make sure. <laughs> That's. <laughs> no, sorry, go on. I was on a roll then, you shit. I know, it was just. I use the app and I really, really like it. 
But if you do get the app, make sure you set Got Till 5 as your favourite so you don't miss any episodes from us. Again, the app is called Podcast Republic, and it's available on your Android device. Nice. And genuinely, it is actually quite good, because I've got an iPhone, so I don't have to worry about this shit. But um, on the iPhone, you just have the podcast app, and it's brilliant, and it's easy. And not until now has anything been there for Android like that, except this. This Podcast Republic thing does that. So it it really is a piece of piss and makes life a lot easier. Done. Top five time. Boom. Boom. Shall we drop the drop? Yes. Here it is. Are you ready? Oh, hell yeah. You fans can stick it, brother. Who's your daddy, Montreal? Tell me he didn't just say that. There it was. Um, (laughs) (laughs) um, Okay, cool. We just sound maniacal every week when we do that. (laughs) (laughs) Top five. Top fives all the fives. (laughs) Why five? Why not four? Why not Um, four? Okay, well, because King Kong Bundy wouldn't be up. I saw you tweet at King Kong Bundy, didn't you? Yeah, he he retweets, like, everything that mentions him or got to, or, like, the number five. Doesn't give a shit. Except us. Yeah. Doesn't give a shit about us. Ah, oh, what a little idiot! He's not. He's not. I love him. We love you, King Kong Bundy. Uh, you're, you're the reason we do this. This is the episode he tunes into. Just, in, I'll listen to them before I retweet them, and then you're calling them a little idiot. Yeah, little idiot, you little tubby bitch. <laughs> um, <laughs> he's not in any of my favourite stables. How do you feel about that, Bundy? Bundy. I prefer, I prefer Ted Bundy. Oh. Um, <laughs> um, okay. Um, you could go first this week. Who's your fifth favourite faction stable team boy band? <laughs> can, can we preface this top five factions first? So, uh, we didn't mention this in the tweet, but we're not doing like factions that are like the most influential or the most important because we'd be sitting here just doing Four Horsemen, NWO, DX, and it would get really, really boring really quickly. And everyone knows why they're influential. What we're talking about is why we personally like them. Yeah, these are our favourites. One that stick out in our head and made us go, yeah, they were pretty entertaining and shit. Um, sound drop. Sound drop, Jesse. What? We need a, a drop. In- I don't think we're going to oh. have any crossovers. Don't you? I think we might. Um, one. I'll but... go one. Okay. Um, uh, uh, what do you want it to be? We need like something from a faction... We could do... Um... There's a bre- right, I was telling you about um, NWO sold out the WCW pay-per-view. Yeah. And um, every time someone came out who wasn't NWO, over the PA it would just go, loser. <laughs> and it's really easy to find. So that should be our crossover sound, I think. If ever we have a crossover, just go, loser. <laughs> We're just going, kind of loser. Loser. <laughs> it's brilliant. It's like, you know, the New World Order, that voice. It's that voice just going, loser. All it's right. great. I like it. I like it. It is funny. It's worth watching. It's a terrible pay-per-view, wrestling quality-wise. But just seeing everyone come out and the PA just go, loser, is really funny. I feel like you and me have taken like too many lem sips or something this evening because we're both talking really fast and are really energetic. Well, what? It, uh, I, I, I'm not in a good way. <laughs> Just want this shit over with. Uh, just, I don't know why we still do this. I just wanted to have, do a job that I could be in my pyjamas for. 
<laughs> and, <laughs> and we've done that, and it's good. Still good. Um, I'm going to take my headphones off to take my jumper off because I'm going hot and cold quite a bit. So, oh, entertain you're the listeners. Yes, list- then you're no, you're in, then you're out. Yeah, I was just going to say entertain. Katy Perry's gone. Where's Katy Perry? Um, I miss Katy Perry. <laughs> this is my entertainment. All right. Um, I'm back now. You can shut up. All right, cool. <laughs> Um, I'm going to be so yeah. scared listening back to hearing what you said just then. Oh, it wasn't bad. It wasn't bad. It was. Uh, it was like literally floundering. Okay, so my number five memorable or personal favorite—I can't believe I'm starting off the list—is Kenny, Johnny, Mitch, Nikki, and Mikey. We are the Spirit Squad. Wow. <laughs> 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 any comment no, any comment <laughs> um uh, i remember a lot of green i remember um a lot of dancing and that cheerleaders and uh, the 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 biggest moment i remember from them is when they um interfered in the vince mcmahon Shawn michaels wrestlemania match and did the big when they all grab a limb and threw Shawn michaels really high up into the air um, I do remember the crowd being quite dead for it. They did not want the Spirit Squad out there. They really um, I, I also remember their final appearance when they got put, I think it was by DX, they got put in a big crate that said, please send back to OVW on it, <laughs> yeah. which I thought was quite funny. <laughs> so the Spirit Squad, ladies and gentlemen, debuted back in January 2016 during Coach and the King having a match for a Royal Rumble qualifier. Obviously. obviously. Perfect time to debut. Yeah, they support the coach, caused the distraction, and uh, he ended up getting the win. Three months later, they were the tag team champions. Amazing, right? The spirit- which, which two? Was it a freebird rule? It was a was fr- there- freebird rule. First time ever all uh, five could defend. So, nice. um, so the idea for the Spirit Squad is male cheerleaders that are really annoying and they did their job well. This idea came directly from the boss himself, Vince McMahon. This is so you to have this in your list, by the way. <laughs> no, it is. I was like having my um, my number five as a slight disappointment, just to, <laughs> just to really build it up. Um, so originally, it was going to be Elijah Burke in the Spirit Squad. Uh, oh, really? Yeah, but Burke said, no, I don't think I can do the acrobatics, and he stayed in OVW, so quite, uh, quite smart, but- really. I don't like Elijah Burke um, for two reasons. Okay. Um, number one, um, CM Punk did an interview and said that Elijah Burt was terrible and really unsafe in the ring. And I like CM Punk. So when I heard that, I was like, okay, I'm with you, Punk. I don't like Elijah Burke. And also, um, Chris Benoit's last ever match was against Elijah Burke. So I blame him. There's a direct correlation, is there? Yeah, Okay. absolutely. Excellent. That was when Benoit thought that, like, that was the straw that broke the camel's back being in the ring with Elijah Burke. <laughs> oh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> so their main purpose was um, in the ongoing Michael's McMahon feud, which Jesse just mentioned. Elijah can't work. Sorry. <laughs> Sound clip from Jesse. So they're in the Michael's <laughs> McMahon feud, which had like God and then fighting at WrestleMania, and it was amazing. Um, it was. Eventually got Triple H involved, which brought back the 2006 reincarnation of DX. Um, which was awful, I, in my humble opinion. In my humble opinion, I enjoyed it. I didn't like it. Ooh, PGDX! Shit. Yeah, I'm a simple soul. It's awful. And he was religious, Shawn Michaels, was he, at that point? He so was. he wasn't even, like, he was uncomfortable doing all the, like, slightly dirty stuff. So he'd always, like, conveniently walk off camera when Triple H started 
like playing with giant sausages or something. <laughs> yeah, they pretty much threw green slime on. Do you remember when they um, dumped the feces on McMahon and the Spirit Squad? Yeah, it was. It was. Yeah, I, I didn't like any of it. I don't think really jacked, muscly dudes can't do slapstick comedy. I'm afraid it's weird. That's right? just that's just my opinion. Yeah. Um, the Spirit Squad ended up holding the tag team titles for seven months. It was the longest reign since Owen Hart and the British Bulldog. Jesus, I don't remember um, them being so significant. Well, this is the, so they ended up losing the title to Ric Flair and Roddy Piper. Okay. <laughs> okay. Now, I'm just going to list off a couple of the title defenses that uh, they ended up doing. Now, losing to Ric Flair and Roddy Piper is an odd combination, right? Okay. Title defenses up until this point include Jim Duggan and Eugene. Uh, okay. Charlie Haas and Viscera. And Snitsky and Val Venus before entering a feud with the Highlanders. 2006. Many classic teams. 2006, everyone. <laughs> uh, um, but <laughs> That's mental. Didn't you see Roddy Piper and um, Ric Flair uh, live yeah. against Rated RKO? Yeah, yeah. So they held... I remember you telling me about that. So Ric Flair and Roddy Piper held the title for barely two weeks, but within those two weeks, they did the UK tour, and I ended up seeing them both as tag team champions. That's amazing. It's really cool, right? Nice little... Fight. I never saw... Yeah, I never saw Roddy Piper live, and it's one of my... Big, it's one of those that I would have loved to have seen. So I hate you a bit for that. I'm, I'm glad you do. And then, uh, did you ever see? Did you ever see Benoit? Uh, no, I never did see Benoit. No, good, not me. Good. Uh, but oh, I'd be. Can you imagine me if you'd seen Benoit and I hadn't? We, we wouldn't be talking. I would. I'd, be, I'd throw this microphone at your face. <laughs> so hard it would land in Brighton. Break that pretty <laughs> little nose. So they ended up going on a losing streak, and then, as Jesse said, they got shipped off to OVW, except for Kenny Dykstra, who they kept, thinking that he was going to be the big main one. I think they did just call him Dykstra afterwards. No, did they? Yeah, Um, I think it was just Dykstra. No, they just. No, because he was just Kenny in Spirit Squad, so they gave him a surname um, when he went solo, I think. Weird. So he was Kenny Dykstra, and, it, and he was with Mickey James, wasn't he? Yes. And then apparently, uh, this is total like gossip shit. Probably it might not even be true. There's no like proof really. Um, Mickey James started shagging John Cena behind Kenny Dykstra's back, and the fact that Kenny Dykstra sort of found out but was too scared to confront Cena let, pretty much led to him being sacked. It was like you ain't gonna stick around here, kid. <laughs> yeah, true. So yeah, he ended up getting shit canned, and Ziggler was the mainstay and had a fantastic career. And continues to. Continues to have a fantastic career. Um, I actually saw members of the Spirit Squad in, where was I, Nottingham last year. And I was in a little, like, I don't know where. It was like this sports hall that you use for PE. And they come out in their Spirit Squad gear. It was Kenny Dykstra. <laughs> I think it was Mitch, one of the two. And they're like, Spirit! And there was like 20 people there. And it was just weird. <laughs> Just weird, oh, but uh, yeah, wrestling is a cruel business. It is. So they're still doing the gimmick. The reason I put them in my list is because I remember that era so clearly, and I remember how annoying they were, and they just stick in my yeah. head. and And they worked for the whole McMahon thing, and that they were just a good heel staple of that time. Of just like, oh, the worst. a heel staple stable. Yes, exactly, Jesse Ben. So I've kicked off this top five with some spirit. Basically. Oh, that! <laughs> I just felt that was like that bit in The Simpsons when you see Ralph's heartbreak in slow motion. <laughs> you can actually pinpoint the moment it breaks the tube. <laughs> oh. 
Um, Five, me baby. Cool. Okay, mine's a bit better than yours. It's um, my number five. Um, certainly isn't a mystery. Um, it's evolution. Loser. <laughs> Is it your number one? Please tell me it's your number one. It's my number two. Your number two. Brilliant. I can't well, believe you put evolution at number five. They were good, weren't they? And I've got, they've got a soft spot in my heart, but they're not, like, the best in the world or anything. Um, but So I like them because... Uh, let's talk about them together if they're in your ridiculously number two, if they're so high on your list. Um, <laughs> we're going to fall out today. <laughs> so we've got Nate, right? We love Nate. It gave Ooh. him a whole new lease of life on his career. Yeah. That's awesome. Um, Triple H, Triple H was sort of my least favourite part of Evolution, to be honest. I wasn't that... Because this was sort of Reign of Terror era. And I wasn't that fussed about it. And he was sort of trying to be Ric Flair at this point as well. And that got on my nerves. Because um, you, you can't be like the character of Ric Flair in those suits and be massively jacked. It's just weird. Um, and um, Batista and Randy Orton became massive stars directly out of Evolution. And I think both Randy Orton and Batista leaving Evolution and the way that it was done um, is some of the best storytelling WWE's ever done on telling. Yeah, completely. Uh, I feel like the Batista one was slightly better. Oh, God, yeah, no, the Batista one was much better um, because there was a good payoff and stuff. But um, the um, Randy Orton one, like, the lead-up to it was awesome. Like, no one forgets that moment when Batista drops him in the electric chair when they're celebrating on the Raw after SummerSlam 04. Yeah. That's a great moment. Very good moment. Uh, Yeah, you're right, it built, it made the two stars that they are. Uh, Did you know that Mark Jindrak was originally going to be in Batista's position? I did, and Triple H nixed it, didn't he? Yeah, which Mm. I I don't think was a bad decision. And Batista's one year older than Triple H. Yeah, he's an old man, he didn't start wrestling for ages. But that's ridiculous. Yeah. Like I know, he, I know, he, I knew he was old, but the fact that he's older than who was the leader of Evolution back then is mental, isn't it? When you think he he was treated like the sort of young prospect. Well, yeah, he was like what thirty, thirty one when he started wrestling. Yeah, God knows something like that. Um, I know he did a he did a little bit in the power plant with Sarge um, for WCW, and Sarge was a right dick to him apparently, and almost put him off wrestling for good. But um, then he came to OVW and got on with them better there. I wonder how many people Sarge put off wrestling. Oh, God, yeah, so many. Um, do you remember him from the Louis Theroux documentary? Yeah, Sarge? yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, God knows where he is now. Probably working in, like, Starbucks or something, if he could see over the counter. Um, <laughs> uh, but, yeah, but, uh, so I thought it... So Evolution spawned great storylines. But even when they were still together, um, I loved it. Um, and, again, I can... I imagine everyone watching it who was our age now then would have been rolling their eyes but as a 13 year old when i watched armageddon 2003 and evolution won all the gold from raw that night yeah so yeah. randy orton beat rvd for the intercontinental title rick flair and batista beat the dudleys for the tag team title uh, which was really cool actually that was after a sort of tag team gauntlet match that was really really good tag team turmoil whatever they call it and um and then Triple H got the world heavyweight title. So I can imagine if us watching that now, we would have been like, oh, for fuck's sake, like, this is so typical of Triple H just getting all his boys over. But as a kid, it was awesome. I thought that was really cool that they had all the gold. Yeah, definitely. It was a case of... Um, I, I like that they all had their own kind of thing going on. So like they would get involved, but 
this goes back to like when um, Randy would be in matches with Mick Foley during like the yeah. uh, the hardcore matches stuff. WrestleMania twenty, Rock and Sock Connection, three on two matches, um, Last Man Standing matches with like Booker T, RVD. Um, they they were around and they did get involved, but it, they didn't seem to get involved in every single match. Yeah, it was cool. And do you remember Evolution getting involved in um, one of my favourite Survivor Series matches of all time? I'm, sh- I'm sure it was on my list when we did that. I can't remember now. Uh, the Team Stone Cold versus Team Bischoff from Survivor Series 2003. Yeah. When um, Shawn Michaels just, like eliminates three people and nearly wins. And Randy Orton's the last one left. And then Batista just comes in and breaks everyone's hearts by smashing Shawn Michaels with a sit-down powerbomb. Yeah. Uh, it's so it good. Was- and, and, Randy, and Randy Orton after taking the Stone Cold Stunner. Um, do you remember his selling when he's just like lying oh, front first? But his, yeah, his legs are just hanging over the bottom rope. It's amazing. <laughs> like the camera's uh, looking straight up his ass crack. Straight up the arsehole. Straight down I-90. Um, and who could forget like him tricking Eugene and like the whole Eugene <laughs> storyline with Evolution. You know, Triple H is my favourite wrestler. <laughs> you got to talk about the important stuff, Jesse. <laughs> Eugene, uh, um, we we talked about Eugene before on the podcast, didn't we? Um, we talked about Eugene a lot. Yeah, he comes up a lot, doesn't he? I miss Eugene. <laughs> it doesn't seem bad that a gimmick like they did a gimmick like that on national television during our lifetime. Yeah, it was in the early two thousands. It was you know pretty recent. Yeah, that sort of still feels. It feels like like having a go at the handicaps. Like probably wasn't on back then, but obviously it was. Right on, I say. Yeah, definitely. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And then they would eventually break up, as we mentioned, with Batista and Randy Orton going on to do fantastic things and a weird Triple H Ric Flair feud, which was weird. That was weird. We got some excellent blading from Ric Flair in that feud, though. Didn't he face off against, like, Orton as well in a cage match? Taboo Tuesday. His ass was exposed throughout the whole thing. (laughs) Yeah, obviously. (laughs) I expect nothing less. In modern social media world with apps and all that kind of stuff, why is Cyber Tuesday or Taboo Sunday, whatever, not coming back? Because um, because Vince knows who he wants in the main event, and he knows that they're, they're not the people that would get voted for. Yeah. I swear, like, obviously, it felt like they were very rigged, but I remember that first Taboo Tuesday. First of all, it was a pay-per-view on a Tuesday, which I still don't understand why. Yeah, that's, that's weird. Well, it annoys me that they're always on Sunday nights. If they were on Saturday nights, it would make life so much simpler for everyone, surely. Yeah, I agree. Like, what are, what, what are Americans doing on a Monday? Well, I guess they can Working. watch it in the day, can't they? What? They can watch it in the day. They don't have to stay up until middle of the night. Yeah, exactly. Idiots. Um, and then there was a reunion in 2014, which obviously led to the very exciting Daniel Bryan WrestleMania 30 comeback story. Oh yeah, it did. The, the, that whole um, reunion was a bit lame, though. It was. Shield Evolu- Evolution was fun, though. Yeah, that's true. That was a very fun match, but uh, yeah, good, good fun. Evolution were. It, yeah. It's, it was a very important time, especially on Raw, because obviously it was the Triple H era that it, it dominated nearly every Raw storyline for the, the next three years. Yeah. And do you remember? Not- um, just quickly go back to the Ric Flair Triple H um, feud. Do you remember the? promo Ric Flair did in the ring on Triple H when he had a slight gash on his head um, from like a previous match I guess and uh, while he was promoing he was just hitting himself in the head to make himself bleed <laughs> and he was. it was just uh, it was just pouring down his face by the end of the promo and then Triple H sort of comes out and just stands on the ramp and the look on his face is like 
the fuck are you doing? <laughs> it's really good. Um, I'll send it to you if you haven't seen it. It's great. Everyone should go find that. Uh, was that kind of the era as well where he threw the microphone on the floor and then talked into the book? <laughs> I'd forgotten about that. Yeah, I suppose it would have been. That was when he was feuding with Mick Foley because it was Mick Foley's book that he tried to talk into. <laughs> 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 I saw a, I saw a clip on um, the internet somewhere the other day of someone doing something very similar. Um, I don't know if you saw it. So a girl who was feeding ducks and she had her phone in her hand and she just had like bread in one hand, a phone in the other, just threw her phone straight in the pond. <laughs> it was like, <laughs> oh shit! <laughs> Snapchat bread. Oh, oh, human dear. nature. Gotta love them. Gotta love them. So Jesse's <laughs> number five and mine number two. We're not. We're not on par with stables i've never been a big stable guy let's just get that out of the way first of all as well um stables never really did it for me why i don't know that's in my answer, opinion isn't it? It's, that's a good <laughs> i mean my question was brilliant and your answer was just as good um i think that stables when done correctly such as new japan who do them brilliantly i think yes um that makes everything good like pretty much everyone in japan you know exactly who they're affiliated with you know who they don't like you know who they're friends with straight away there's it's almost like they're not relying on being faces and heels so much as you know who's in what gang yeah and i I love that i think that's brilliant i'm presuming you've got some new japan in your it makes it feel more real Um, i actually haven't only because i sort of went i I actually went warm and fuzzy for this list and just sort of harked back to my childhood really okay Um, and then there is like i mean you you could do a top five um like jack i don't know like the, the problem with um japanese stables is that they're not as storyline heavy in japan so you they they don't give you the warm and fuzzies like these do like we were just talking about you know the, the storylines is what makes us like these um stables isn't it yeah well my num well oh we're in for a treat later you're not stealing my number one that's been confirmed oh okay we'll leave that there my number four goes back to the old wcw days my favorite stable from wcw the filthy animals Ooh, good choice great choice i know um the plan for the filthy animals, so this was when it was Rey Mysterio unmasked, it was Conan, it was Eddie Guerrero, it was Billy Kidman. So yeah. their plan It was it was basically the LWO and Billy Kidman. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. It it's really funny whenever they used to do promos because Conan's like so intense and he's like, Yeah, really going for it. Eddie as well. <laughs> and then like and then Kidman Yeah guys, like they said, I'm gonna fuck you up, man. <laughs> Oh, that's an amazing promo from Conan. Um, oh, when it, it's like Bash of the Beach '96 or something like that, um, or maybe Great American Bash. Uh, they um, so a cruiserweight match happens that involves um, a Mexican. I think it's um, oh god, what's this? Oh, Psychosis. Um, Psychosis finishes the match with a top rope hurricanrana or something. They cut to an interview with Conan with Mean Gene, and Mean Gene basically. Like, he doesn't say... He says to Conan, um, can you explain what happened there? And basically what he's saying is, uh, you're of Latino heritage. Like, can you explain what happened there? And Conan just goes, yeah, so psychosis. So um, just went up to the top row, did a top row hurricane rider and got the pin. One, two, three. And <laughs> Gene's like, thank you very much. <laughs> Real insight there. Real insight, yeah. Conan. Yeah, it was great. And then Conan went on to um, 
he was wrestling Ric Flair for the US title uh, on this pay-per-view that I'm talking about. And um, he talks about how he's like, if any of you women get involved, I punch him in the face. And <laughs> Gene's like, yep, good, I hope you do. <laughs> Oh, it, was a di- it was a better time. It was a, it was a time. different. It was a different time, Jesse. When Conan time. could hit, um, it was woman and um, Elizabeth, wasn't it? In yes, it, at that time, flanking Ric Flair. <laughs> but the plan for the filthy animal. The thing that annoys about the filthy animals, I feel like they came too late in WCW to be kind of yeah. remembered as a good stable because they were fantastic. So the plan for them was to be like WCW's DX. They acted as kind of the tweeners. They would like pull pranks on heels and faces. They'd steal wallets. They'd mock the old wrestlers. They even stole Ric Flair's robe at one point and went out strutting and wooing like he does. Um, nutters, nutters, absolute madman, right? So, when they started, they took on Deadpool, which was another version of, like, Raven's group. It was Vampiro, Raven, and Insane Clown Posse, because God bless WCW, early 2000s. Um, (laughs) But then they went on to feud with the Revolution, which was, like, Benoit, Malenko, Douglas, and Saturn, which were a good group. Yeah. Um, But when they were the Filthy Animals, the most important thing to come out with them was Eddie, really. This allowed Eddie to kind of get his character to what we saw later in WWE. So this is when Eddie would start doing the famous fake chair knockout. You know, knock him out, lie down, and then the other person would get blame. Or yeah. throw, throwing the chair at the other person. Or winking at the crowd when he was lying and telling them to be quiet. So that's where this is where Eddie kind of got all of that from. Because before, he was kind of like a generic promo he had the Latino heat thing going, but there was none of this real character that was going on. And this helped him to develop it. Um, I always remember there's this one thing they did. When, I think it was Halloween Havoc. Um, they took Ric Flair. They, they did the video the next night on like Nitro and stuff. They took Ric Flair out to the desert on this. Like, <laughs> they just beat him. And he's still in his wrestling gear and his little pants and stuff. And they take him out of the back of an ambulance on this like little gurney stretcher. And they just dump him in the desert and start kicking dirt on him. Just fifty-year-old <laughs> man. It's kicking dirt like you're gonna die out here, Rick. You're gonna die out here. <coughs> and then just get in the car and fuck off. Amazing. And that's, as a kid, that's so I, Mexican. Yeah, as a kid, I was like, that's so badass. That's so cool. Um, so it's the sort of thing you do in GTA. That's why it felt cool. Yeah. Like, it's, yeah, you you do it on GTA, like when you're playing on your little PlayStation, wouldn't you? Yeah, yeah, they were a cool faction, and they they had the cruiserweight title four times over their their run because they also had other members for uh, they had like Disco and Tory Wilson's been a valet and stuff. Uh, held the tag team titles four times and the cruiserweight tag titles once, which was the end of WCW. Nice. Uh, that was a random title that they had. Um, but yeah, just a fun kind of badass group. It was kind of cool to watch as kids. I love Rey Mysterio. Uh, I really love Conan as a kid as well. Yeah, I um, I enjoy Conan probably more than I should because I don't mm. think he's particularly heralded as a great wrestler. Or anything, oh, he's awful. But, um, he's awful. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, for some reason, um, I've, I've, I always enjoyed him. Yeah, definitely. So it's... Um, yeah, it's a shame that they never really got the recognition. I don't think any time in WCW they would have worked, but it was a fun little stable in the middle of the, the mid-card that, that just kind of worked. So, filthy animal for life, yo. Nice, yeah. Very underrated, and as you say, uh, very easily forgotten, despite having some fantastic, you know, Hall of Famers and future Hall of Famers in them. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm waiting for Disco Inferno to be inducted. You'll be waiting a long time. <laughs> I hate Disco Inferno. There's something about his face that just makes me want to get violent. 
Well, you calm down and you tell me your number four. Okay. Um, so my number four, and Ooh. I have to be specific about this, is the Four Horsemen. But it's the four. It's the incarnation of the Four Horsemen that is Ric Flair, Arn Anderson, Chris Benoit, and Steve Mongo McMichael from 1996 <laughs> to about 98, I think. Yeah. I why are you, was, why no, are you snickering? I just, I just looked at the word Mongo. It always makes me giggle. <laughs> so, oh, okay. I see. Steve Mongo McMichael. Um, um, I knew former football be, yeah. player. Yeah. And, um, and Deborah, Deborah's first husband before Stone Cold Steve Austin. Really? Yeah. Um, Deborah. Um, he, oh God, that hurts when you got a cold. Um, uh, obviously not the best horse. The original horseman is always going to be the best, most influential, blah de blah de blah But these four horsemen, like, just felt cool when I was a kid. Like, I was too young to have seen the original horseman, but WCW did a good job of explaining that the they that were a noise big in the deal. background? Oh, I've got um, all sorts of um, hooligans and people outside. I've got the window open because it's quite muggy in here. God. Can you hear them? What yeah. are they talking about? I don't know. You sound like you live in, like, a crack then, though. I basically do. <laughs> Pass that bra. Um, but yeah, this four horsemen. Yeah, it's really, really like weird, isn't it? Because like, there's people down there doing all sorts of stuff, and I'm just up here talking about mid '90s wrestling over the internet with you. What a world we live in. Um, this four horsemen. They, WCW did a really good job of explaining how important the four horsemen were in the '80s, and then the whole thing of Ric Flair building them up again and this new horseman and bringing in Benoit who was like brand new in America at this time and uh, Steve Mongo McMichael who was a commentator for WCW at the time and uh, turned heel um, when he was wrestling against the Four Horsemen with Macho Man Randy Savage as their trainer Um, and Mongo McMichael ex-footballer commentator became a wrestler generally overachieved I think in the world of professional wrestling and did very good and had a good US title run. Yeah, and was quite enjoyable. I, I enjoyed him as a wrestler, and um, I just thought they were a great team. The whole Benoit stuff with um, uh, Sullivan and um, Woman, which obviously has darker connotations nowadays, um, was all going on as well. And Arn Anderson was um, in, sort of involved with that, trying to mentor Benoit and make him not be silly and do things for the ladies. Um, it was great. Pillman was in the Horseman as well before um, Mongo McMichael, but um, I, he wasn't in the. I would love to have said that that's my favourite with Pillman, but Pillman wasn't there long enough. He jumped over to WWF before they really got going, so not much happened. But that was just great. It was. It just felt cool and felt leg. Even though it wasn't there the first time round, it felt like a cool return of something really special when I was watching it as a kid. Yeah, because I remember like the coming out in the suits and stuff and the introduction. It, it had that kind of old man dinner party kind of feel to it oh my voice yeah, is and elizabeth, good good <laughs> elizabeth um, turned heel on macho man to join <clears throat> join them as well yeah that was awesome definitely definitely so yeah I, I i do like that iteration of the four horsemen obviously it's the one that i remember most that sticks clearly in my head yeah and match quality i would say it's the best i think rick flair was having some great like the mid-90s were rick flair's coke years and he was just having the most like jumped up crazy matches just like wooing and like playing to the crowd more than ever in the mid nineties is absolutely brilliant. And you've obviously got Benoit being brand new in America, doing what Benoit does. Arn Anderson is a fucking technician. I love watching Arn Anderson wrestle. And Mongo McMichael um, was a was good enough. He was a good character. He was um, he was entertaining. Yeah, to have that kind of switch over, then then yeah, 
He did. He did his job, basically. He did. He did, he did. his job. Lovely. Didn't didn't hold on to Deborah though. No, not many men can. Not many men. Well, can, obviously, Jesse. yeah. She keeps wriggling out. <laughs> you're you're really uh you're really setting the bar high this week, Jesse. <laughs> really at the top there. Okay, uh, my number what? Three. three. Yeah, is technically classed as. The new Heart Foundation. Mm. And this consists of? Bret Hart, Jim Neidhart, Owen Hart, British Bulldog, and Brian Pillman. Loser. I knew you'd have them in your group. Fuck yeah. Yeah, you've taken my number two. Well done. Ah, we're um, even. We're even. Yeah. Um, I didn't. Technically, the new Heart Foundation. I've always just called them the Heart Foundation. I've never heard them called the new Heart Foundation. Well, well technically, so there's different iterations of it. Um, so the Hart Foundation is just Brett, Jim Neidhart, Jimmy Hart, and Danny Davis, technically. Oh, okay. Then you had the new foundation, which was just Owen Hart and Jim by themselves. And then you had the new Hart Foundation, which is who I just listed. There's loads oh. of different variations. Loads, mate. Um, loads! So, I feel like we can do this one quickly, because I feel like every week for the past month, we've somehow mentioned the Hart Foundation or something relating to them. What did you watch today, Max, at last? I watched In Your House Canadian Stampede today. Yes, he's finally done it, everyone. He's watched that amazing pay-per-view. And if you like having, you get out there and you watch it with your Canadian people. Um, how good was it? Incredible. Like, it's, How awesome with the Heart Foundation? It's literally, like, if you haven't watched anyone, it's on the network. It's barely an hour and 10, 20 minutes. It's really short. Something like that, yeah. yeah. There's only four matches on the card. Yeah, it's a really good pay-per-view. Uh, the, the main yeah. event's really long as well, but it's done long in a really w- good way. And you're right, the pop that the Hart Foundation get, Brian Pillman comes out first, and you'd think he was a Canadian native, the way they lose their shit for him. Yeah, it's amazing. It's, it's just everyone gets that pop. Like It's like the Beatles coming out or something. Also, It's just incredible. What I found interesting about the start of, uh, of that show is, because obviously it was... Oh, the, gr- the opening package is amazing. Well, this is what I was going to talk about. The opening package is kind of a case of... Um, so, normally in, in wrestling, where the, the heel is going to get cheered, they kind of don't acknowledge it. They just say... Yeah. They just go, oh, he's a fan favourite, but he's a bad guy. In this video package, they're like, the Hart Foundation are going in as the heroes, and then the, the good guy Americans are going to be seen as the bad guys and it was just so weird to see them kind of acknowledge it and knew that but isn't that brilliant oh it was great but it's like they knew that's what was coming and they yeah did the whole package on it it was great it's great yeah it is it's brilliant it's it makes it feel more real like they don't feel like out of touch to the audience it's yeah it's, it's just brilliant and yeah they explain it perfectly in that opening package and that's exactly what happens and how much does stone cold enjoy being heel again just for that night oh he had the best time ever um, <laughs> you could tell he was enjoying himself the bit because he at the end of the match he that the they all leave because the heart family come in and basically tear down the ring how many hearts can you fit in that ring i swear that was half a calgary in that ring i know it's ridiculous apparently um owen hart was um it's bruce it, bruce is the dick yeah bruce is the one that was wearing his sunglasses indoors next to Stu, who um starts fighting austin and um he got a bit too over-involved, yeah, Bruce. Yeah, I saw. And basically took the thunder off of Owen's roll-up on Austin to win the match. And apparently Owen was absolutely... That was supposed to be, like, Owen's big moment. You know, that he's pinning Stone Cold Steve Austin in the main event in Canada. It's supposed to be a huge moment. But the camera and all the tension was on Bruce because he was overacting and stuff. And Owen was supposed to be absolutely livid about that. Yeah, because 
I'm just trying to get my timelines right, is that afterwards that he'll like injure Austin's neck and win the Intercontinental title? And it was the month after, I yeah. believe. But it's Austin, but Austin wins the Intercontinental title. Yes, that's it, because he does the worst roll-up in worst the world. Worst roll-up, yeah. In what was supposed to be a kiss-my-ass match, by the way. That's a fact that people forget about that. I did not know that. Yeah, it was a kiss-my-ass match. Yeah, that yeah. would have made more sense. Um, but yeah, the, the reaction they get when they come out and then Austin, after their team loses, Team America, whatever they're called, loses, then Austin comes out just properly smacks him with a chair, properly lays into him with the chair, and then he gets handcuffed, and just seeing him kind of bow, flipping people off up the ramp <laughs> is still the funniest thing ever. It is brilliant, yeah, just wall-to-wall, great pay-per-view, there's nothing wrong with that pay-per-view. Yeah, and for for a 10-man match, to, it's got to be a good 25, 30 minutes that they go in there. It's, yeah, it's, and it's not it's not a clusterfuck at all. No, that's what I was going to say. It showcases everyone really well because you got guys like Goldust in there, Ken Shamrock, Legion of Doom, and everyone just gets their moment and everyone looks good from it. I think it's basically five mini matches almost. Yeah, it, yeah, one. completely. I think my favorite moment though is when Austin gets Brett in the sharpshooter, flips him off, and then turns him over. Yeah, and the crowd just on them, just like <laughs> booing the shit out of them. It was yeah, really fun match. So. Definitely worth checking out in your house. The whole pay per view is fun, actually. Yeah, I I love the Heart Foundation. Yeah, the Heart Foundation's great. We've mentioned in previous episodes why they were so good with like the US, Canada, um, British stuff that was going on, and Shades of Grey. Yeah, and it was <laughs> just unfortunate. Like the, it kind of ended. You know, Pillman ended up dying. Uh, it, <laughs> he did do that. He did that do is that. sad. Like when you see them all come out, like Beatlemania in their entrances, it's like, oh, he's dead. He's dead. He's, he's dead, dead. He's dead. Yeah. How is Jim Neidhart still alive? That's uh... Neidhart hasn't got long left. He hasn't. Has he? But um, yeah. He... And Brett. Brett. Brett's not dead, but he's um, had less luck in his life than many dead people. <laughs> yeah, Because <definitely>. um, he died. <laughs> Pillman died on the day of In Your House Bad Blood. Was the day yes, he did. The same night Kane debuted. Yeah, yes, that was. Um, I think it was when he didn't show up, and then they phoned the hotel, and the hotel were just like, "Oh yeah, he he died at like one o'clock this afternoon." And, and yeah. Like, oh okay. And then a month later yeah. was Survivor Series, which we all know what happened with Brett losing the title and then leaving, and then everyone kind of left and joined him, and Owen stayed, feeling that he didn't want to get sued for breach of contract, and then we know what happened to Owen. So really, stuff did not end well for the New Heart Foundation. Well, he became the um, he became the um, black heart for a while, didn't he? Yes, and um, joined the Nation of Domination for a little yeah. bit as well. Yeah, and uh, I remember my favorite one of my favorite signs of all time when Owen comes out with the Nation of Domination. You just see someone in the audience holding a sign that says, "But Owen, you're white." <laughs> <laughs> they're, they're not. They're not wrong. They're not wrong. <laughs> they're not. But they, but they had a Nation of Domination was never about all the members being black or anything. They had. Um, had chains in it for a bit, I think. Yeah, they did. And yeah, all sorts of stuff. They had a few Latinos, I think. Nation of Domination was fine. That's also, uh, um, what was it? Um, I can't remember what show it's at now. Um, King of the Ring, maybe, or something? When um, Farouk in Nation of Domination take, uh, takes on Undertaker for the WWE title. It would have been around this time, because it was the leader. It was when Paul Bearer had turned on Taker and was leading up to um, Kane's debut. And... Um, Farouk does a promo at the before the match, and it's one of my favourite lines ever. He goes, um, "Undertaker, you're worried about Paul Bearer. You're worried about his blackmail. The only one you got to worry about is this blackmail." <laughs> <laughs> I 
that's a great line. Oh, Farouk. Yeah, Farouk must have been so happy with that. I loved it. I loved it. So, yeah, Heart Foundation. I don't think we need to go into too much detail as why they're one of our favourite factions because they're one of the most influential, memorable factions. So, they are. that is my number three. We've both got our number ones left, Jesse Benz. No, I haven't done my number three. What the... What, so, that was your number what three. What are you trying to pull in? I've, I've got my number three now. I'm sick of you. Are you trying to job me out? <laughs> yeah. Are you a bitch? I'm not a bitch. I'm not a bitch. <laughs> I'm a tired bitch. <coughs> yeah, I'm ill. I'm, I'm ill, mate. I'm ill, Jesse. Oh, I'm, getting, I'm getting the sweats again. I'm wearing a Sonic the Hedgehog t-shirt. Um, <laughs> I'm just going to end up naked by the end of the podcast. <laughs> so my number three, um, quickly, is... Um, oh, quickly, take your time, D- take your time. All right, all right. Um, is... <laughs> Degeneration X, but again, I have to be specific about which Degeneration X, like I was with the Horseman. My favourite is the first, which would be Triple H, Shawn Michaels, China, and for a short time, Rick Rude oh, yes. as the original Degeneration X. That was very short-lived, really. Um, so they sort of officially formed in August of '97, and um, this original incarnation stopped when Michaels retired for the first time at WrestleMania '98. Um, WrestleMania 14, which and then Triple H brings in uh, the New Age Outlaws, X Pac comes back, and all this stuff. And I was less mad on that DX. I thought it all got a bit campy and strange. But the original DX, we coked up Sean China, um, Triple H still sort of doing his um, blue blood gimmick, and um, and rude for a little bit it was awesome. I thought it had a really cool gritty edge to it. I loved the entrances. I just thought they were they were the right level of crass. Like it was supposed to be heel and annoying, and it was. And you watch these um, interviews now, and Vince McMahon's like, "Yeah, well, so the the fans just started loving DX, so I was going to love DX." So you watch it, and you go, "No, they really didn't. No, they never loved DX ever. Not really until they turned face with New Age Outlaws and things like that. They were always heel when Shawn Michaels was with DX." And that's good. That's how it should have been. And they were genuinely annoying. And to turn Shawn Michaels heel was an achievement in itself, really, because he was so loved just like the year previous. And it was great. Just awesome. With the WrestleMania 14 Shawn Michaels entrance is one of my favorite entrances of all time with the live DX band and the way it's all cutting in and stuff. It's just great. I love it. Yeah, definitely. Um, My my favorite DX is the, the messier one with like, Road Dog, Billy Gunn, X-Bag. Yeah, I, I, I just always love... Well, I just love um, New Age Outlaws um, entrance. Just can't get, can't get enough of that. But you're right. When you go back to, like, China, Triple H, and Sean, that's when they were doing the really good stuff. That It just felt gritty. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, it was something that hadn't it been... felt cool. ...hadn't been seen and kind of wrestling previously. And it was just, yeah, really enjoyable to watch. The, the... And the fact you had, like, the NWO lads... Um, running WCW and you knew that like the click and everyone was like still best mates and stuff. You were like, Jesus Christ, like these guys between them are just running wrestling. Do you know what I mean? It was just, it was amazing. Yeah. It was a very important time and it it was the time when it could have gone either way, but it was run by two stables. So as much as we say, we don't really like stables, they can be very important for wrestling history. Well, the the Royal, we, you said you don't like stables. I like stables. (laughs) Do you now? 
Yes! I do, and I explained why, because of Japan. And then I went on to completely contradict myself by saying that Japan has no storylines, <laughs> which makes it harder to like them. But, <laughs> but I do like them. <laughs> no, but DX is a solid choice, and I completely forget about Rick Rude, but you're right, he's always in Yeah, right, he suit. wasn't there very long. He's little... I think Rick Rude had the pleasure of being um, the only, maybe not the only, but one of the very few, there's only two or three people who appeared on Raw and Nitro on the same night. Oh, really? Because he was, um, yeah, so he turned up on Live Nitro um, when the Raw had been pre-taped before, and he was on that as well. It was like his last appearance on Raw, and it um, coincided with his debut on Nitro. Ah, that makes sense. That makes sense. Mm. I like it. So, yeah, appeared on the same night. Yeah. Uh, what's the promo I always remember from them when they're doing the old um, the presidential address? Oh, God, that's brilliant, that's yeah. Just my favourite. Yeah, that. there will be no dick references. <laughs> oh, shit. <laughs> Shut your fucking mouth. Oh, cock. coked up Sean. Not cocked up Sean. Coked up Sean. <laughs> <laughs> cocked up Sean. Yeah, it was brilliant. And Sean, talking about Ric Flair getting his arse out, Sean loved nothing more than getting his arse out around this oh, time. Oh, it was his well. favourite. There was a lot of Sean ass, especially um, in, in that main event, actually, of WrestleMania 14, Stone Cold and Sean. There's a lot of Sean ass, if anyone's interested. <laughs> we'll send you the timestamps, Jesse knows exactly. <laughs> I do, and there's a fact. <laughs> right, uh, I guess we're on to my number one, then. Yeah, do your number one. Let's do it, okay. Let's do, do it. it, let's do, do it. it. So my number one comes from the Isle of the East in New Japan Pro Wrestling. And it is Los Ingobernables de Japón. Ah, very nice. Now, Los Ingobernables are an important faction to me because, as I mentioned previously, I don't... What, did I say it wrong? Did I stutter? No, it's impossible to say it right, don't worry. (laughs) So, as I said, don't really like stables. And around 2015, 2016, more 2016, I was starting to fall out of love with wrestling a little bit. You I was bitch. a little burnt out. You didn't tell. You didn't tell me. <laughs> I can't share everything with you, Jesse. Can't share. Why? Do, yes, you can. Why didn't we have this conversation? I don't know. Max, Should we have it now? If you're... Yeah. What was wrong, mate? <laughs> I don't know. Tell Uncle I Daddy. Just, I, I was just feeling very. I, I feel like it had become very. It was weird because this around the time wrestling was becoming good again and becoming popular. But I feel like. Yeah, right. Why are you falling out? When I it's feel like I'd gone through the. Oh, yeah, but you love the Spirit Squad. <laughs> I'd gone through all the years of shit, and I was just like, oh, I'm done. I've been the gatekeeper for so many years, and now I can retire <laughs> and walk into the sunset. But. Aww, I, you sound like. Um, you sound like Saint. What's his name? The one that stands at the gates of heaven? <laughs> Saint Peter. <laughs> Saint Peter, that's it. Yeah, you sound like Pete. <laughs> you sound like Pete. <laughs> I can pass this world on now. Um, but no, like I was struggling a bit with wrestling. I was trying to find like my passion for it again. I'd lost my smile, basically, is what I'm trying to say. But, I lost my smile when Shawn Michaels showed me his ass. <laughs> you gained your smile. <laughs> From ear to ear. But I tuned in to a little-known company. Don't know if you've heard of it. It's very hipster and cool right now. Called New Japan Pro Wrestling. And there was a lovely, and there was a lovely little hairy man there by the name of Tetsuya Naito. Ratty hair, ratty hair. Who knows what he asks for when he goes into the barbers? None of us. Know. <laughs> just fuck my shit up. <laughs> <laughs> he just gives you batter and knife, and he just tells you a dick. <laughs> chases him, and cuts at it. Um, the story of how 
Losingo Bernabez comes to be is a long and very complicated one. <laughs> An arduous tale. An arduous tale that I can't... <laughs> so settle in. My voice cannot do right now, but basically, <laughs> back in 2013, Naito returned to New Japan Wrestling, had an injury, defeated Tanahashi, uh, G1 Climax, was like the baby face of the company, was going on to Wrestle Kingdom... To win they, that were try- they were trying. They were trying. They were trying to give him the Roman Reigns push, basically. Yeah, but. treat Na- NATO as Roman Reigns at this point, and the fans rejected it to no end. They booed the shit out of NATO, and for the first time ever, they had a vote of who should main event Wrestle Kingdom, and they voted against NATO. You know, that's just a massive slap in the face. And he didn't win the title, and he went away to CMLL. But it was the best thing that ever happened to him because he joined. The Los Ingobernables stable over there. He returned to New Japan, which also had um, uh, Cien Almas in it. Didn't it, it did. Who yes. is obviously now a WWE star. Exactly. He returns to New Japan, still Los Ingobernables, uh, but being more villainous, doesn't care about the fans, all of this kind of stuff. Then he meets a lovely young young wrestler by the name of uh, what I can never say his real name, but basically. He adopts him as evil, and evil joins the stable. Next, we get. I didn't know he. I didn't know he had a real name. Yeah, so um, it's Takaki Watanabe. I'm gonna fuck that up, and someone he'd been away two years overseas on excursion, um, okay. and he was revealed as his partner. And then NATO um, gave him the new ring 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 nickname of King of Darkness, Evil. Nice. It's a brilliant name, Evil, isn't it? Oh, it's and. Great. Um, I like you know what he hasn't been using lately, which I miss is his laser fingers. Yes, I loved the laser fingers. I love bring the back laser. the laser fingers, evil. I love and them. also his um, makeup looks like um, porn stars at the end of um, at the end of certain videos that you watch when they're just exhausted. <laughs> <laughs> certain videos, certain videos when um, faces are abused and um, poor, poor, poor evil's makeup. That's looks what, that's very what it looks like. like. Uh, NATO and evil enter the world tag league. And then Bushi joined them. He was the third member. And that's when they became Los Ingobernables de Japan. And later, he would eventually get his shot at the IWGP Heavyweight Championship again. And the final sexiest member that there is, Sonada, comes in and helps him win that title. Ah, but you're forgetting... Um, I skipped a bit, ja- I know. You're forgetting Jappa Pillman as well. Jappa Pillman, yes, yes. Uh, well, technically, there's still a member of... Um, Rush is apparently still a member of Los Ingobernables. Oh, really? But he just... Jaffa Pillman is um, Takahashi, for anyone listening, by the way. Hiromu Takahashi, yes. who, um, who is a Japanese crazy man. So I, I will... he reminds me of Brian Pillman, so to me, he will always be Jaffa Pillman. Yes. I... When does Takahashi come in? And I'm never sure of when he... I think he comes in after... Yeah, it was... He comes in after Sonata. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, yeah, he's definitely the most recent member. Um... I don't even know if there was a big reveal particularly. He just started, he just became the LIJ junior heavyweight almost. Yeah, because you know I, mean? I know he'd been on excursion in yes. CMLL. And then, yeah, just... Came back and had some stunning matches with Dragon Lee. Oh, their chemistry. They, Good God. They should get married. Yeah, Dragon Lee and Takahashi, days. Bays for days, is what I would say. <laughs> bays for days. Um, but... L.I.J., I just, I love them. We need to write some fan fiction. Sorry, <laughs> Can't God. Can't we? Our new articles on the website is going to be fan fiction. <laughs> but each one of them... Come closer, Dragon ...brings something fantastic. Oh, we'll get, like, Daryl involved? No, no. It's not... Oh, God, yeah, Daryl. 
Daryl grows to a full size um, furry. <laughs> <laughs> Bushi's not doing anything. We just dress Bushi up, is it? Yeah, Bushi would do it. He's fine. Um, but yeah, so the reason I love all four of them is uh, they. Not since I was a kid has there been a group of wrestlers that I've just been like, oh my god, I love them. I'm so obsessed with them. And yeah. each one brings something unique. Obviously, Evil and Sonata are killing it as a tag team right now. Takahashi's great uh, doing the, the junior heavyweight stuff. And, you know, there's there's, there's Bushi. Bushi's got nice yeah. masks. That's good. And um, but But each one, and they keep making wrestling more exciting. And even Kenny Omega has said, the LIJ has taken over as like the the in product over Bullet Club as like being the hot ticket and stuff. So yes, uh, I believe it was um, it was Wrestle Kingdom before last the first time that LIJ t shirts outsold Bullet Club or like you know that anything had outsold Bullet Club and it was at the Wrestle Kingdom where um, NATO defended his Intercontinental Title against Tanahashi and had the that awesome eye in his entrance. Yes, do you remember? Yeah. And that was fantastic. It's, um, and what they're doing with Naito with the, the slow build to him going back up and getting the IWGP title. Cause we both watched wrestle kingdom this year, wrestle kingdom 12. Yes. And, um, 13, 13 sorry. And then you and me were, you were obviously pro Ricardo. I was pro Naito. Yeah, less pro card and I was wearing those stupid flary trousers. <laughs> I love that completely. Is he wearing long pants? What? <laughs> I'm out. I'm out. I'm done. This isn't <laughs> happening. So <laughs> I'm on Naito's side now. <laughs> but yeah, the slow build of uh, Naito coming back up to the top. I'm, I'm in LIJJ for life now. I'm invested. They they make me love wrestling again. Every single one of them. Um <laughs> Because nice. Sonata and Evil, I love tag team wrestling. They're perfect for it. I love flippy yeah. shit, and then Takahashi does it better than anyone. And I love a good, uh, I don't give a shit, and that's my Naito. So, yeah, LIJ for life, awesome. bitch. Perfect team. You're right, they're great. And they've all got, as you just said, they've all got their own appeal and their own personality. And it's like, it's the reason that, like, you know, boy bands get over with kids and stuff. And, about, like, bad bands like the Spice Girls of the 90s. It's the exact same um, recipe of just give them all a strong personality that and where everyone can sort of have their favorite and everyone makes money it's great yeah yeah completely so um i'm excited to what's uh, what they do over the next year yeah no me too yeah it's interesting just when i think you sort of watch new japan and you're always in the american mindset sometimes and you go oh but he's been in the main event so you know that's it and they, they've already wrestled each other three times, so they can't possibly have another good match. But no, they can. In Japan, you can. You can just keep having amazing matches with each other, and they find ways to make it different every single time. Yeah, yeah. Rules, rules are very different. It's upside down land down there. Yeah, exactly that. So, uh, you've been teasing me long enough, Jesse Benz. What is your number one faction slash stable of all time? My number one. Well, um, you know how I said there was no New Japan stables in my top five. You lied to me, didn't you? I lied because I wanted to try and steal your number one, but it didn't work. Um, my number one is the Bullet Club. Of course. For life. Um, which is, so, um, realistically, as far as, like, what I love in my life and things that I've been a bit obsessed with throughout my life from childhood, I always really fucking love the NWO. Even when the NWO got a bit shit, I still stood by them as a kid, as a little WCW bitch. And but the Bullet Club are like almost like a how 
NWO done right is how I look at them, and an NWO for grown-ups, kind of. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, definitely. And I just, I just think they're great. I think all the characters, I think they've managed to... I mean, you look at the amount of people that have been through Bullet Club who are now... You know, Finn Balor started it. He's now big star in WE. Um, AJ Styles came through. He's now a big star in WE. Um, Gallows and Anderson now in WE. But they keep finding new people to come in. And I don't think they've made a mistake yet with who they've brought into the Bullet Club. Just every single person no. suits it perfectly. Well, I was going to say, do you, we've mentioned iterations previously. Do you have an iteration of Bullet Club or is it just consistently from Devitt oh, to now? My favourite is with um, Devitt and um, Gallows and Anderson and Bad Luck Fale and like that proper originals. The sort OGs. Of, so, yeah, I, that's, that's my favourite, I think, because I think... Uh, Prince Devitt as a um, as that sort of cocky little heel um, character was brilliant. Like he just played this sort of you know guy with the big bodyguards around him in Bad Luck Fale and people like that, um, which was so cool. Whereas since we all the Bullet Club leaders have kind of been capable. Do you know what I mean? Like Kenny Omega and AJ Styles are really good wrestlers who are winning high-profile matches, and um, Prince Devitt never was that. He was always this sort of chicken-shit heel, really, and I prefer that. I like that. But that doesn't take anything away from amazing talents like Kenny Omega and um, Cody Rhodes and AJ Styles, who um, who are great wrestlers and um, win and don't always need to rely on people either. I think that's cool, too, that they can do that. But, yeah, that original incarnation is my favourite. Well, I think that's what makes Bullet Club so special in the sense that you could almost class them as uh, seasons. So, as you said, Devitt yeah. with the, that, and then you had uh, AJ where he was like, he was the leader. There was no question about it. He was, you know, on top of it. And now in Chapter 3, when we've got Kenny and everything going on with Abushi um, and Young Bucks, the Elite, and everyone fracturing off into different sections, it, it's just a never-ending story, really. I have never been so invested in wrestling storytelling as I am with the all the Omega Abushi stuff that's going on right now. Oh, it's so beautiful. And with the Bucks and stuff. It's like it's like the best kind of soap opera, is it? It's like it's as addictive like to follow as Breaking Bad was or something like that yeah. when I was watching that. You know, it's like I just have to know what happens each time they wrestle because there might be a development in this in this really interesting storyline. And you know what I love? So obviously there was the big crescendo of like Cody hitting Kenny and it was like, oh shit, Bullet Club's done. Cody's going to take over. Um, and then you had like the Young Bucks kind of turning on Kenny, but they haven't. Like normally WE would have just blown their load or any, any company, not just WE would have blown their load <laughs> right now. Oh yeah, all over the place. <laughs> but they've now gone Bullet Club's fine and they're, they're leaving it alone and yeah. they're, they're just going back to normal again so you know kenny's still in charge for now but he's got his he's got his little mate um and yeah so they're, they're letting it cool off again and then they're going to build it back up it's amazing build it back. there's going to be something huge at wrestle kingdom isn't there or something like that you would hope or but... they're going to do it for all in or who knows oh yeah yeah yeah, yeah. um yeah could be anything uh, but yeah, it's great. I think they've uh, they've just done a tremendous job of, as you say, changing with the times, staying current. Not it doesn't feel like a tired team at all. Um, I, I just think it's great, and I think they've just got years to go with Bullet Club. I don't think it's dying anytime soon. No, no, like, no one in the history of wrestling has ever made 
such a great impact in terms of like merch and sales and just doing their own thing like you look at the pro wrestling tea stuff that they've done with just the bullet club merch people who yeah. aren't even wrestling fans are wearing like bullet club merch because it just works and it, it's awesome and people know yeah. it and it's like the end it's, it's that's exactly what the nwo t-shirts were like back in the day like yeah. everyone had an nwo t-shirt everyone knows it and like anyone who's a wrestling fan reckon i i told this story on twitter i was at a festival this weekend and i was wearing um villain club t-shirt the oh, amount yeah. of people who too sweeted me or came running over to me or who i had a conversation with about wrestling i've never seen anything like it it's ridiculous how popular a brand it is yeah, and that, that's awesome. That's so cool. And uh, and they've just done it again with um, now taking into the the junior division with um, Ishimori as the Bone Soldier. Yeah. That was a great reveal. Yeah, brilliant. They they just they just keep doing it. Anyone could leave Bullet. Kenny Omega could go to WWE tomorrow, and Bullet Club would find a way to make get someone new in and make it work like like they have so many times before. Yeah, like, they're just fantastic. Cody as leader would would work. I really yeah, absolutely. I, I have no doubt that it'll happen at some point. Yeah, definitely. So, uh, yeah, Bullet Club is one of the most entertaining things. Like, obviously, the past couple of storylines with being elite and everything they're doing is is the most entertaining. But you go back and watch AJ Styles when he was IWGP champion. You go back and watch the, the Balor stuff if you've never seen it. It's all really entertaining stuff, and <coughs> especially Sorry. the you fucking will be especially <laughs> the um, the Devitt stuff. Because they'd never been seen in New Japan before this kind of style, and so good they were just they were just so aggressive. They like, hated they were, it. They were everything that yeah, Japanese stereotypes about you know Westerners coming over and being violent and loud and stuff like. They just played that up and were that and just scared the shit out of everyone. Yeah, and they they didn't really know how to. It was great watching the fans back then. Of just like, what's happening? <laughs> Is this real? Yeah, I don't get like, it. <laughs> They've just stolen that camera, man. And I think, yeah, yep, they've killed him. <laughs> <laughs> They're going to bury him in the desert. That's what's going to happen. <laughs> yeah, next, next to Ric Flair. <laughs> oh, yeah. I, two Japanese at the top of the... We said at the start the Japanese wrestling does factions the best. Yeah. And we just proved it by having both our number ones be um, both from New Japan. So That is definitive proof. Yeah, you can't argue with it, people. You can't argue no. with it. But so back off. if you wanted to, we haven't done any of the plugs yet, Jesse. So if people want to get in contact with us, where's the one place that they can go for all the contact well, needs? Well, Max, for all the contacting needs for this podcast, you need to go to godtool5.com. Uh, why does that work as a branding? I hate you for it. I hate you for it. Just it just rolls. It rolls off the tongue, doesn't it? Godtool5.com. Love it. <laughs> So yeah, go there if you want to get in contact. Um, it tastes good, you know, when you say when it. it rolls off the tongue like that. I agree. Yeah, I agree. It just tastes good. Uh, so sweet. Thank you to Chris Wolf for doing the slightly salty. Thank you to Chris Wolf for doing <laughs> the chat with us this week. It was a lot of fun. Um, yeah, if you haven't checked out our matches, go and check it out. Please share this episode around, all that kind of stuff. Podcast Republic, which we plugged at the start of last, at the start of this episode. And in two weeks' time, we'll be back with a new top five and an interview with the Smash Mouth, Chris Ridgway. Chris Ridgway. Jesse, any other life advice? I don't think you can beat Chris um, Wolf at the start, but you can try. I think um, I haven't got any life advice, but I think we should pat ourselves on the back for both being ill and getting through this and doing a wonderful job 
um, because I'm just going to curl up into a ball and weep for the next couple of hours now. See, I feel like you've done well, but I'm going to play this back. It's just going to be a head. Two men like high on um, Lemsip. You know, like when you think you can sing really well or you're like really good at beatboxing when you're drunk. Yeah. You're you're going to you're going to be editing this episode down and it's like, no, we thought that was a good idea. That was a good idea when we were high on Lemsip at 4.30 in the morning. <laughs> oh, I love it. So, uh, yeah, thank you for listening, everyone. If you enjoyed it, let us know. If you didn't enjoy it, keep it to yourself. And no, do let us know and I will fight you. He will. He knows where you live. And we'll be back in two weeks' time, as I said. New top five. Chris Ridgway. It's going to be beautiful. Jesse's going to be there as well, everyone. Yay, I'm always there. This is my show, bitch. Biatch. So, thank you for listening to Got Till 5. Go to gottill5.com and wherever good social media is found. And we will see you in a bye week. Bye week. Bye! Later days, baby. You have until the count of five. I happen to love the number five. It's a beautiful number. A glorious number. You got to the count of five.